You're listening to the Down the Pub Podcast, Canada's premier football show. Head to downthepub.ca to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Down the Pub Podcast. I am your host, uh, Anthony Abbott. Um, this week I am joined by newly crowned USL uh, champion uh, and Danish international Thomas Enavaldsen. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks for having me. Um, so, uh, just be, uh, normally when we kick the show off, we just kind of like to do a few easier questions just to get uh, in the flow of things. So, um, what's your favorite cheat meal? Pizza. Nice. Any particular? I actually, I actually just had one. I actually just had one. <laughs> So I, love I, it. I had someone over for dinner and we decided on like some pizza and pasta we ordered. So yeah, I actually just had one. Nice. Uh, are you a pepperoni guy or are you like a, just a plain one? What's... A lot of meat on it. A lot of meat on it for sure. Love uh, it. So that was pepperoni as well. Yeah. So like, you know, kind of fool yourself into believing that you're eating all the protein. I like it. Uh, exactly. exactly. <laughs> what's your favorite sports book or movie? Hmm. That's a good question. There could be a few... Wow. Moneyball is a pretty good movie. Yep, I love that one. Uh, yeah, that's a good one. I mean, I read it. I actually like Mike Tyson's biography. That's pretty good. Oh, I haven't read it. I'd say it's uh, pretty mental. I, I would definitely read that. It, it is pretty cool. He's pretty honest about his life and uh, the ups and downs that uh, that comes with being like a famous boxer and uh, all the things he, he was dealing with. So uh, that's actually an amazing book. Yeah, awesome. I'll have to check that out. Um, and then uh, you're the hardest opponents you've ever played against. That's tough to say, like the hardest. The best one is Ronaldo for sure. But I mean, I'm attacking player and he's not defending yeah. really well. So he was not really tough to play against. I mean, when I was defending <laughs> against him, he was really tough to play against. But uh, I mean, that's the best player I've played against. So I'll probably say him. Amazing. So... Um, so you, you announced last week that you're you're hanging up the old boots. Uh, what brought about the decision, my friend? I mean, eventually you have to make it. And, uh, you know, the last two years has been very challenging uh, with COVID, first of all. Um, you had like a many, many months where you didn't play. You didn't have the opportunity to train properly. Uh, so, I mean, it's been pretty tough for, for an older body uh, like mine. I felt I've been really really fit for many years but i felt i start to struggle uh doing all the covid lockdowns where you couldn't train properly in a gym you couldn't train any probably football training uh, the only thing i could do for a long time was just running on the street you know so i felt like i struggled after that um i got my knee injury this year uh, during the season that kept me out for three months uh, so i felt like the time was coming and uh I mean, when I signed with Orange County for two years ago, I felt that could be my last contract already. And then any, all that stuff happened afterwards, you know. So uh, I felt it was the right time and decision now. I mean, I mean, like you're like just for people like listen, you, you're only 34, like you're not like 64, right? So I know you're saying like your old body <laughs> and all that kind of stuff, but so you start like you started like to feel it in your joints and and stuff like that, like with it. Because I mean, I guess you're probably doing like a lot of Zoom workouts and all that kind of. Oh, yeah, we did a lot of stuff, but, you know, you can't do it the same way. I mean, gym training is one thing. I, I Like, right when the lockdown hit, I tried to order, like, a bunch of fitness equipment for my apartment so I could could train properly. But, I mean, nine out of, nine out of uh, 10 
uh, equipment I ordered got cancelled, you know, because everyone was ordering fitness equipment. <laughs> so, I mean, the only thing I got was some like elastic band I could use. So I couldn't do properly fitness training, like uh, train my legs uh, well and, and all that stuff. So it was tough to maintain that fitness level you need to play to play football. Yeah, I know that you've got um, some non-playing businesses. Uh, I saw on your Instagram profile, there's like many digital, and I think you're into financial management and stuff like that. So, like, like what what's the plan for yourself? Are you gonna like dig deep into those businesses? Like now that you've you're done. Uh, I mean, first of all, I'm just relaxing in December, and then then I'll probably start with something in January. Uh, I have a media company. I'll probably start working for. Uh, we have some medias in the fourth biggest cities in Denmark. So uh, I started it in 2016 with a friend. And today we have 20 employees and four different medias in the fourth biggest cities in Denmark. So it's been pretty amazing to like watching from the sideline, like how well they've been doing. And like my co-founder, how well he's been like doing everything, you know, going from only him being the only employee. And now we have like 20 across four cities in Denmark. So it's going to be fun to like try to be part of the daily daily work. So uh, that must be incredible. Like, you know, you're kind of away from it all and you're just looking uh, from beyond to see the company growing. But are you going to be like, are you going to go in and like lay the hammer down and let them know who's the boss? <laughs> not, not at all. I already talked with them about it. I mean, I'm going to come in as a rookie. I mean, I have no, ex- I have like, I was co-founder, you know, and co-owner of the company, but I have no experience in like working in a you know business. I've been been playing football for sixteen years professionals, so I've done my education in like financial management. I have a great network in business world well, in Denmark, especially. So I mean, I I'm gonna come in with some kind of experience, but I mean, I gotta learn it all from scratch. Uh, I feel like I'm a I'm a rookie coming in. So my advice would be to uh, learn how to make. A good cup of coffee and then everybody will start showing you what to do man <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah take it day by day <laughs> so uh so do you like obviously you've got like a, a vast experience in football like i mean like you've played in world cups and uh, champions league and, and all that kind of stuff so do you do you plan to go into coaching i know it's not for everybody is that something that you'd like to do or are you like kind of happy to, to, to kind of move off into uh, your, your company i mean for now yeah i mean i don't think i'll done with football uh, i also feel it'll be a bit there uh, i mean i've been playing professional for 16 years so it is some kind of education i have in football because i've seen the ups and downs. i've had like 18 different coaches something like that Jeez. so i've learned from yeah it's crazy i've had a lot so you know you've learned so much during your career for 16 years so it would also be like some kind of sad if you just throw it all away and don't use it for anything so uh, I'm not sure about if it's going to be coaching or if it's going to be on TV, like an expert or something. But I'm definitely open for for options in the football world. Do you feel like you've learned something from each of those coaches? That's an extraordinary amount of coaches. A hundred percent. And you can bring them on to businesses uh, as a leader, you know. I've had some (laughs) great coaches, excuse me, uh, and leaders. And I also have some bad ones. So the one (laughs) thing I'll take away, that's like number one asset for a great coach. That's honesty. I'll say like, you know, you have to you have to be honest with your players. You know, you have to drop someone. You can't feel like twenty two players. You have to feel eleven, and you have to drop players and you have to make decisions. 
that's good for the team and bad for some individuals. But, but as long as you're honest about it, I mean, I have no problem with any coaches. So that would be like the number one thing I'll point out from the coaches that I've been really glad working with. That's like the honesty they have. They, they would tell you the truth. I mean, like uh, I had uh, Brian Dean on the show who played for Sheffield United and Leeds in the Premier League. And he said something very similar to what you're saying that, um, you know, football, like people don't look at the aspect of what you guys actually go through. I mean, like, as you said, like it's such a hard, um, it's a it's a tough business, you know, it's like, uh, as you said, I mean, there's only 11 people that can play and you kind of need to be good at personal management. You need to be good with uh, decision-making, like on the spot kind of decision-making. So, I mean, that's a, it's, I think that's something that footballers don't take into account, like what you guys are actually learning in a very short space of time, like 10, 15 years, however long our career is. Oh, we're learning a lot, you know, ups and downs. And I mean, as a football player, you have an exam every week. And it's not only an exam with like a teacher and, you know, or I call the guy like next to him. It's like when I played in Allbog, you know, we had like, 15,000 at the stadium. You have all the people watching on TV. You have all the press, the, the journalists who's writing about your performance every week. So I feel like you had an exam every single week, you know, where you had to perform at your highest level. Or otherwise, they will criticize you. So that's that's pretty tough. Like, uh, you learn how to, to deal with pressure for sure. And, I, I, like, you know, people kind of forget the human side of stuff that, you know, that you guys are despite like everybody thinks that footballers are rich and famous and you get to do whatever, like at the end of the day, you're still a human being. So how do you, how do you block that stuff out? Like, you know, like when everybody's got a player that they don't like for, for whatever reason, like as a fan, and I'm sure journalists like pick on players just because they can. So like, how do you like block that stuff out mentally? I definitely feel something that, as I said, like a 16 year career is like an education. And every year, you know, you grow as a person and like, you learn to get that filter where you like just plug it out. I mean, when I was younger, you know, I, I cared about what the journalist was writing about me. Like, oh, he gave me like really good grade for this game. And the next game, he gave me really bad grade. I mean, <laughs> the last few years, I didn't give, like, I didn't care at all. I mean, I don't care if the fans are booing me. I don't <laughs> care what the journalists are writing. I mean, I know I'm a good player. I know what I have to do to like perform and do well on the pitch. So, I mean, every outside obstacle, I mean, you have to block it out. I mean, I care what my coach say. I care what my teammates say. I care what our own fans says. But like, if I'm playing against like a team away and the whole stadium is booing, I don't really care about that. Oh, it means you're doing something right, probably, right? <laughs> yeah, ex exactly. I mean, you can't be successful without having any haters. I mean, and that's also come to business. I've read some great business books about some of the best leaders in the world from the biggest companies. And that's also what they say. Like they have to make tough decisions and some decisions, like they don't want to upset people, but they're going to do it somehow. So you have to learn with that. I mean, the Starbucks owner, I read a great book about him and he feels, I mean, when you read that book, he's like a great guy. It feels like taking so good care of all the employees, like all the customers, but he also has to make decisions that's upset people that eventually hates on him. And I mean, that's just, you can't be successful without having any haters. I don't believe that. So uh, to switch into uh, this year's USL Championship, uh, you guys certainly did things the hard way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and just speaking of like ditching, uh, switching coaches, like obviously you guys switched coach in, in August with Richard Ta uh, Chaplow taking over. So 
like he obviously has a vast experience playing in the Premier League and da da da. da. So how how did he differ in style from uh, from Braden and what did he kind of change that kind of pushed you guys on? It's actually funny because when we changed coast, one of the first things I said in the locker, I'm a big Chelsea fan. So what I said, hey, let's go make it Chelsea. The bo- <laughs> both time Chelsea have won Champions League, they have fired the head coach mid season. So that was like my message: let's go make it Chelsea and. Uh, and some of the guys actually told me after the final, like, yeah, you already told us in August. So, I mean, what, what he came in and changed, you know, um, I think our training sessions got better. I mean, it was, uh, we started to train like a shorter period, but with way more intensity. And I think you could see that in our performances that we were, we were way more intense in our, our way of playing. Um, and I also felt like uh, we started to play like different defensively. I mean, we struggled like early in the season with giving up too many goals and we maybe didn't have the offensive qualities because we had so many players out. Uh, Adam Jan got injured first game out for the season. I was out for three months. Uh, so we started to play more defensive. Like that's also good coaching. You know, you look at the material you have and say, okay, maybe I don't want to play this way, but that's what fits the team best right now with the players I have. So and you also saw it in, in our player front that most of our games was like very defensive for the first 60 minutes. And after that, we start to sub in players that could come on and change the game offensively when the opponents were tired. I mean, like even like, uh, especially like the, uh, the, the game against the, the switchbacks, like you, you went down a man early, uh, like, you know, Rob got sent off um, and like, it was a, an incredible defensive performance. Um, like I don't think you came on that game, but you were kind of watching from the side. Like, th- like what was the message like uh, from like Richard at halftime to like to, to keep you guys going? And did you did you then get a belief? Do you feel like at the end of that game, uh, coming out on the other side of that with the win? Of course, I mean it already started. You know, like I won't say we've been lucky. Of course, we have, but you also make your own luck. Yeah. And the last two games of the regular season, I mean, we played Vegas at home where we scored in the last minute to win the game. I scored a goal against Galaxy last minute to win the game. So we, those wins, you know, get you some belief and confidence that we brought into the playoff. And against Corral, we went a man down, but hey, we still felt we could win the game. I mean, we were so good defensively at that time. Didn't give up a lot of chances. And I mean, when you saw our set pieces, corners and throw-ins, we were really dangerous. And at that time, we didn't need a lot of chances to score goals. So, we had a strong belief that we still could win even with a man down. Was that something that you guys worked a lot of then in training, like on set pieces and uh, like, you, you know, as you said, like if you're kind of playing defensively, you kind of need to take the most of your chances. So was that something that you guys worked a lot on in training then, like before these games? hundred percent, yeah. I mean, again, you look at the qualities you have. Um, when I was in Orange Council in 2018, we were a team that could, like really battle the other team and like win 4-0, like score a bunch of goals. But the team this year was not built for that. I mean, we're not the team creating like 20 chances a game and scoring three, four goals. We're a different team, you know, like really compact, good defensive. And then we would like score on like the few chances we would get. So of course, like set pieces was massive for us and also felt that's why we won the two penalty shootouts because we were training it like almost every day. So, you know, when people were stepping up to take those penalties, they felt confident because they were doing it like every day in training. So, I mean, nothing really changed in the way you do it. Of course, there's more pressure in the game, but you just look at the goal and do what you do in training if you do it well. 
that that was actually uh, one of my my next questions. Like, uh, you know, you uh, you ended up with the penalty shootouts. Like, so like obviously you're one of the experienced guys, and you were you were successful with your penalties. Like, do do, do you still get nerves? Uh, and like, what is your for any any young people listening? What's your, what's your secret for a, a successful penalty? I mean, practice again. You know, if you the more you practice, the better you become at stuff. Um, talk about being nervous. I mean, before the game, I was thinking more about it than when I walked up because I knew in my mind that I would I would retire after this season. So imagine I would miss a penalty, we would walk we would walk out. That would be my last kick of my career. That would be a bad bad way to walk out. <laughs> <laughs> so, Great way thinking. so thinking thinking about that before I mean I'm not going to walk out with a missed penalty as the last shot of my career so I better like practice a lot so I make sure I score on them and yeah uh, I, I, I scored both goals and uh, I walk out a bit different than uh, than a missed PK man that is amazing that's a great way of like, thinking of stuff isn't it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, yeah, that's before the game, you know, like, oh, shit, what if I miss a PK and that's going to be my last kick? But I mean, when I'm in the game, you know, it's different. When I walk up, I feel confident that I'm going to score. Yeah, and you can you, you can totally see it too, you know, like, you, there's always a thing when you're watching penalty shootouts, I find that you kind of know the guys that are going to miss because you can tell by the way they're walking up and like, um, uh, whenever you were taking them, you could see that you kind of, you were focused and you knew exactly what, what, what you were going to do. So do you like, do you like pick your spot and stick to it? Or are you like watching the keeper, what they're up to? Or like what's, what way do you kind of go about your, your, your penalty shoot or your penalty shots? I mean, I tried before every playoff game to look at the opponent's keeper. I mean, if they had like four PKs again that season, you know, like see if they had any pattern. You know, if it was a right footed player who was taking the kick, did they go the same way? And if it was a left footed, did they do the same stuff? But like, I didn't really see a pattern. Um, so I was more thinking about my own like strike. Like in training, I tried to switch it up a lot, you know, like I tried to go right, left, center. And I felt way more confident when I shot to my own left side. I mean, I had three penalty shots this year. All of them was down there. And the keeper went that way all three times, you know. But I just felt like my kick was so good that they had no chance of saving it. Nice, nice. That's the thing that always boggles my mind. Like, you know, uh, like with England, you know, like they've been in quite a few penalty shootouts and they've lost them. Um, but there was like, I remember there's a couple of like World Cups and championships that they said that they never prepared for penalty shootouts. It, it just seems to me like if you're in a playoff game or a knockout game, it's something that you should be preparing, preparing, preparing for. It just seems odd that teams don't. Of course, I feel it's really stupid if you don't do it. I mean, <laughs> Eventually, it can come down. We, we won two PKs, I mean, to go to the final. So it's um, to prepare for that. That's the same. Like, we prepare a lot for our other set pieces, like corners, throw, and defensive set pieces. So why don't prepare for this as well? So that's why we did it, like, in every training. Like, a lot of guys were standing, like, hitting five PKs. And we also had, like, one training or two trains, you know, where we had, like, a simulation, you know, where we played young against old. And you had to do the walk down to the PK spot and all that and the rest of the guys standing in the middle circle. So, I mean, wow. the more you prepare, you know, like, again, as I said, I felt confident shooting to that side. When we played San Antonio, Jordan Farr, my former teammate from Indy, you know, he was running down, waving like a paper, like, hey, I know you guys, I know where you're going to shoot. And I was like, I don't give a fuck, because <laughs> I shoot really well PKs. 
So like, if I shoot the way I've been doing, I mean, you're not going to save it, even though you know where I'm shooting. <laughs> That's like that the, the, the level of uh, like uh, of how you went to where you had like the, the young versus the old and even walking down. Because I guess the walk is the hardest part, right? I mean, it's uh, that's, it's, it's... That, that's where most people were or players would like think, oh, where do I shoot? I mean, and then they sometimes, oh, I got to shoot there. No, I'm going to shoot there, you know, and thinking too much about it. And then they go down and like without the confidence and they just end up shooting and miss, you know, because they didn't have like a plan when they start walking down there. Uh, I was also thinking, you know, like because uh, I had a peak against Vegas this year where I scored and I had the PK in the first game against uh, Oakland. So that was like two PKs. I had the same spot. So now it comes down to like the mental part of it. So I, I also talk with our goalkeepers. I mean, now you've seen like I've shot there twice this year. What would you do next time? And they were saying, I'll probably go to that side. And I asked the coach as well, like chat was but with him about it, like asking, hey, you think I should switch? Like if we get one more? And he was like, I mean, why? If you feel confident where you're shooting, the two PKs you have this year, like the goalkeepers will never save them. So, I mean, even though you shoot there again and he'll go to that side, if you shoot it as well, if you're done, it will still go in probably. Yeah, that makes that makes total sense. Like it's uh, it, it's it's an art form in in its own right, and uh, you know, it, it must be like the loneliest walk in football when you've got like a, a packed stadium and it's just literally you in your own head yeah. <laughs> for that yeah. 10 second walk. Like, geez, I, I don't think I could handle. It. I'd probably just like start crying, man. To be honest with you. <laughs> so 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 switching. I mean, to the, also, sorry, go ahead. We also talked about it. You know, like it is pressure, but pressure is a privilege. I mean. When you get to those games, you know, playoff, that's a privilege. You're there. That's why you're trained. You know, that's the goal for the season. That's what you dream of. So you should just take advantage of it. I mean, when you get to those points where the pressure is really high, that's that's because you have done something great. It's an amazing way of thinking of things. Um, so, like, switching to the final, obviously you're playing against the big favorite, like uh, Tampa Bay Rowdies. Like, I mean, they had an incredible uh, run in the, in the, the, the regular season. Like, there were like head and shoulders kind of above most other teams. Um, and then obviously the the big turning point for me in that game was they missed a penalty. Um, and then you guys go three and up before halftime. <laughs> like, so, what was that like? You know, like I, I always kind of wonder like what the, the halftime message from, from Richard must have been like that. Suddenly like you're, you've just turned the game on its head and you're beating the favorites like three and a half time. <laughs> I mean, first of all, walking into the game, we didn't care about they were like big favorites or they just had three players voted goalkeeper of the year, defender of the year, MVP or like nominated for it. And like, we didn't have one player on like the first and the second all-star team, you know. And to be honest, we didn't care about it. I mean, we cared about we had a really strong team. Uh, and we walked into that game with like great confidence. We were on a like eight-game winning streak. So, I mean, we felt like we... We in our head we were the favorites. If we would if we were doing the same things we've done like the eight previous game, and especially in the playoff games. So we felt we we were there to win the game. Of course, again, I mean they started really strong and were the better team than us the first 20 minutes. And then also people say, Oh, then you have the luck again because they missed the PK. But as Patrick also said, that's not luck. I practice this. I mean, why should it be luck? You know, it's a good save. So, and after that, where he saved that PK, I was like, okay, we're going to win this thing now. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, because, I mean, like, I, I watched I watched the, the highlights back today just in, 
uh, does some preparation for this. And even the, the, the guys who were like commentating, like had said, like he had made that dive from behind the goal line. Like, I mean, he put a lot, it wasn't an easy save to make because you still have to get down and make the save, right? Mm-hmm. Of um, course. And you have to, to pick the right side also. So, so it's, uh, it was, it's a good save. It's just because you have a good goalkeeper, you know, that's not blocked. That's, uh, that's because he's good and he's practiced. So, so I mean, like, uh, what, what was the, what was the emotions like a half? Like, I mean, as, as we talked about, like, I mean, the season was all over the shop. It was <laughs> up, down, around, what was that that feeling like a half at the half, at the full time whistle for for you guys? I mean, the half time, you know, it was just we just talked about like, hey, listen, this is not over. Just go a week back where they played Louisville. They were two 0 down, and they ended up winning three two. So we knew they had a really really good team, and they they could change the game quickly. So we had we had to stay alert and do the stuff we were good at, like defending well and uh, and and be good on the ball when we had it and create some chances and counter attacks. So. That was just a mess. I mean, we were not walking into the halftime thinking the game was over, not at all. And like at, at full time, then when the when the whistle goes, you've kind of they got a goal back. They had a goal disallowed towards the end. Uh, what was the? And you knew it was your last game too. Like, what was that emotion like for yourself right at the end? I mean, it was very emotional. First of all, you know, like when the the final whistle blew, you know, just happy, and then it hit me like, hey, I'm done. That was it. Uh, so it was very emotional, and uh, and of course I had a few tears in my eyes. But after that, you know, it was just pure joy and happiness and celebration the whole night. So, as I said, I mean, eventually you have to retire, and uh, what better way to retire than as a champ? Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's a there's an amazing photograph on your uh, your Instagram um, of you with a trophy with a cigar in your mouth. It's 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 a great picture <laughs> so yeah so, how, how did this one compare to obviously like uh you're from alberg i believe and you won yeah. the super league with alberg like how um how did this one compare to that? I, I know it's kind of hard to compare but how did this one compare to that one of course it's different i mean i am from alberg i'm raised and born here born and raised you know and uh, when we won the league here you know it was like a first day night game we won the game and then we went in an open bus that took us to the middle of the city. 30,000 people were waiting for us. Jesus like at, It was like midnight. It was past midnight, you know, when we arrived in the city. And it was like 30,000 people waiting for us. And, you know, like everywhere you walk that night, like we have like a huge street in Albuquerque with like bars and pubs and clubs and all that, you know. Uh, and it was just like everywhere you walk, you're like the, the hero, you know. So it was uh, it was different also, I mean, championship is always like great but of course it was special for me because it's my my hometown and the club I've been playing since I was 10 but of course like to win with Orange County was also special in in a different way you know like especially because it was my last season so did you uh did you try and steal the trophy to bring him back to Denmark <laughs> no <laughs> no I have, I have I have some good pictures of the memory I got like a, a nice gold medal and uh, I think we'll We'll get a rig as well in the spring. Oh, amazing! Um, so, so I mean, like, like looking back, like you know, like you went out on a high, but you know, like looking back from when you were like a young guy uh, starting out in Alberg, did you ever imagine that you'd get to live and play in California? It like football's such a funny business that, like, you know, like it it can bring you it anywhere, and, and like, did, it can. like what what was it, like what was that what was that like moving? Because it's I know it's always difficult. For, for Europeans 
because uh, they look at sometimes as North American football is sometimes a step down, you know, moving mm. from Europe to the States. Like, how was that? How did that move come around for you? And um, like, how did you find uh, settling into the, the style of play in North America? Uh, I mean, that settled pretty good because my first season was was really good. Um it was always a dream for me, like when I was younger, to to get to the States when I got a bit older uh, to play. Also because I, I like America a lot. I've been traveling there a lot and I have family who lives in Phoenix. Uh, I've been Washington a few times. So it was a plan like for me to go one day and, and play and live in the country. And of course, I mean, when you have to pick a spot, the uh, Orange County is not the not bottom <laughs> of the list. <laughs> it's definitely not the worst place to end up, man. No, Jesus Christ. No. <laughs> so, so, so like obviously the big news in the past week, apart from your news of uh, retiring, is the uh, the inception of the MLS Next Pro League. I was just wondering, like, what your thoughts were on it, and do you think it's a good move for the MLS and the USL? Because we've just tw- like twenty odd teams, I think it is, have just moved out of the USL to a new league. I actually haven't heard anything about it. So, uh, oh, okay. <laughs> I have it. So, so just Probably so you know, just like the time difference, yeah. So you can, uh, you... Just, just so you know. So, um, there was news about this about six months ago that MLS was going to take um the you know like their reserve teams, um, yeah. like Sporting KC, and they've now branched off and started their own reserve league and pulled all those teams out of the USL. Um, so I, I guess a, a roundabout question would be like, what was it like, like playing against those reserve teams? Like, did you like, cause you know, you look and you see the empty stadiums whenever you guys played against, uh, galaxy two or whoever it was that you'd end up playing. Um, do you think it's a good move for DSL to move away from that kind of uh, thing? And do you think it's good for those MLS players not to be playing in the USL? Uh, I would say yes to get them out because, of course, when you play in Galaxy, when you play in Portland, or yeah, they were not there this year, but then Seattle, you know, there's like no fans in the stands. Um, but it was difficult to play against them because there was a lot of talented players on those teams. And with Orange County, we really struggled against those teams because they were so energetic, they were so fast, and the way they played was like different compared to all the other teams in the USL. For example, Tacoma, we lost 3 0 at home to them. And yeah. we lost 4-1 up there. I actually think they beat us all times this year, you know. So so we struggle against them also. But of course, there is the thing with the fans. USL want to grow. And uh, it's not good for the TV also. You see, like, stadiums with only, like, 100 people in it. Yeah, I mean, like, I, uh, I, I there's a guy I had on the show, Aaron Malloy, who plays for Forward Madison. And they were playing against uh, New England Revolution 2. And I think they play their games in Gillette Stadium. So it, it, it's a great... It's a great thing for Aaron to play in that stadium because it's an incredible stadium. But I mean, you've got a 60, 70,000 seater stadium with nobody in it, like playing a game. It, it just must feel like empty and weird. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, 100%. I mean, I would rather play Sacramento away or Indy 11 and those teams with a lot of fans, you know, instead of playing in a big, nice stadium with, uh, with no fans. Of course, it's also easier for me to say because I've played in like a lot of great stadiums in Europe. So that big stadium thing doesn't really impress me anymore. I mean, it, I'll rather play in front of a, a good crowd. Yeah, uh, like like for me, like just looking from the outside, like like we're up in Canada, so we don't really, like apart from the three MLS teams we have here, we don't really have that much skin in the game. I, I, just, I just think the MLS, like the, the teams are 
they're they're missing out a little bit because I feel like that the quality of players that are going through the USL players like yourself, you know, like Rob Kiernan and um, even like Charlotte, I think this year had like a couple of like uh, big players uh, playing for mm-hmm. Gabriel Aubertan and whoever. Like they're going to miss out playing against those. They're just going to play against other like other young people who are at the same level as them. So mm-hmm. I like I think a big part of like football is learning to play against like like experienced guys like yourself like so do you think that that's something that they're kind of not taking into account a little bit by doing this move yeah actually it could be because i mean they they're getting challenged in in usl because as you said there is a lot of talented players um also like when they're gonna play against players at their own age they don't get used to like that physical level of playing in the usl or even in the mls because when they go from playing those reserve league games into the MLS, you know, it's going to be a way, way, way harder physical uh, thing to do. Uh, so, of course, they're going to miss out on that. Yeah, I, I, I think it's a strange one. Like, I, I, I just think that with the American structure, like, they've changed the, like, the MLS has kind of stayed the same an awful lot, but they change around the second and third tiers so much. Um, it just, I, I, I just feel like, I just wish that they would just come up with one, one thing and just stick to it <laughs> you know we had like the yeah. nasl the usl like it's just so many leagues that come and go it's it just yeah. it just looks bad to the outside so um so obviously we, we can't not talk about like for your during your career that you played at a, a world cup and uh, which is an incredible achievement that like so many play, great players never get the chance to do that what was it? What was the experience like for yourself? Like you know, like uh, as I said, I was watching some of your old games today, and you like you played against uh, Holland uh, in in South Africa, and just that noise, the Vuvuzelas going, uh, the altitude. Like, what was the what was the experience like to to, to play? It at was. It? I mean, the Vuvuzela first of all was terrible. I mean, we absolutely hated it. Also because. <laughs> It, it took away, you know, that great atmosphere. You have a game where you can hear the fans singing all that. You couldn't hear anything. You can only hear that horn, you know. Um, I was, uh, we played against South Africa like uh, a friendly game um, in South Africa before the tournament. And I was uh, running and warming up with uh, one of my Danish teammates. And I mean, we couldn't talk to each other because it was so loud. So, I mean, the horn really took over the atmosphere and you couldn't hear like the fans singing. So that was, uh, I, I didn't like it at all. Um, but of course, it was a great experience. I mean, playing in 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 a World Cup, you know, as you said, it's only like a limited amount of players who get that opportunities during their career. Uh, you know, when you play a game there, it's the only game on at the time. So, like, hundreds of millions of people are watching the game worldwide. Uh, so it's just this, the whole setup is just crazy. You know, um, we were living like a in a like great great resort where we had like a house with four apartments in, uh, where you like shared an apartment, two players, and you had your like own bedroom, you had your own um, bathroom, and then you had like a living room you were sharing with him. Yeah. But in order to get into those houses, you need to like pass a guy, a guy with a machine gun, and he was standing there 24-7. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, so they were like, they were, security was next level. You felt like a rock star. Every time we like left with boss for training or game, you know, we had like 10, 15 cup cars around us. We had like our own Danish, um, similar to like CIA or who was like with us, you know. So uh, security was next level. Holy shit, man. That's amazing. 
yeah. That was crazy, yeah. Like getting your own like a uh, police escort. That was really incredible. <laughs> like put, yeah, pulling into the stadium like uh, like Rihanna or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was like that. It was like that, 100 percent so, so I mean, like, like if you look at that squad that you guys had in that World Cup, it was, it was really good. So, like, like, is there a feeling like that you guys kind of underachieved a little bit? You know, like, I mean, like, it, it it's some of the players, like, you know, Daniel Agger, Eriksson was just starting off. Um, mm. uh, I mean, of course, when you look at the team that way, we maybe did, but the preparation for the World Cup was not good because we had so many like key players who were struggling with injuries and who was just getting fit for the first game. Um, so, I mean, we, we were really struggling with injuries going into the tournament. Nicholas Bender was not 100% fit. Simon Kier got a knee injury like just before. Uh, I think uh, Jon Dahl Thomason was not playing the first game. Uh, so, we had too many players who were struggling with injuries going into the tournament. And did the like there was a big thing made about the altitude, obviously. Like, did, did that play a, an effect? Like, you know, like uh, playing in like some of these, like, uh, you know, obviously the air is thinner and it's kind of harder to run around and stuff like that. Did that play? Of course, yes. I mean, it not it, it was tough, of course, but I mean, it was the same for Holland. It's not like you go and play in Colorado where they're used to it because they do it every second yeah. week. Uh, we were in Johannesburg for a week prior to the game, so we like tried to get used to the altitude. But one thing that couldn't get used to the altitude, that was the ball. Like those Jabulani ball was so bad. It felt like we played with a plastic ball, seriously. So you know when you make a cross with a plastic ball, the way it moves in the air? So when you make like a cross, you know, like a curling cross, the ball will come back. But the Jabulani and the altitude just make the ball keep going behind the goal. So you couldn't make those curly shots because it will curl behind the goal instead of like coming back. So you had to like, in training, when we were doing like crosses, we were just chipping the ball in because like you couldn't control it otherwise. That's that's, that's insane that... It, it's insane that the ball was so bad. I mean, it's the World Cup, it's the biggest tournaments in football, you know, and then the ball is like something they just came out with. Like they should have come out with it way before and like tried it out and see, hey, this ball is not good. We're going to make a new one. But I mean, of course, they couldn't make a new one because it was... It was planned for be played with at that tournament. It's not like the the ball is like a really important part of the game or anything, right? <laughs> for some for some teams, yeah. For some teams, not. But we're a team who like we're a team who like the ball. <laughs> so yeah. I, I like um as I mentioned, like I'm from Ireland, and we have very similar populations to um yeah, country size and, and stuff like that. But you, you Denmark just has this ability to produce incredible players like you we listed all you just listed some of them off there and it, it it's just every like you know like your qualification for the world cup next year like i, I think they just lose one game or you were unbeaten or something in the last game yeah yeah it was, like and you know by that stage you qualified already so i mean like like you grew up in the system there like and people talk famously about the, the dutch system but what's the system like in in denmark like what's the philosophy for for young players growing through that system I feel it's changed, of course, since I was a young player also. But when I was a young player, they start to change it a lot. Um, I was still like doing my uh, school and education, but they made it possible for me to like focus 100% on my football as well next to education. 
So that meant like some mornings we would have morning training, like the coach would pick us up at like eight in the morning. We would go train and like skip those morning classes. Um, so I felt like there was stuff that helped us. Uh, I was training like already like six, seven times a week when I was 16 years old. Uh, so of course the whole system, you know, is, is really great. They put a lot of money into it. And you also see now they like really capitalize off it. Like so many great young players, like in Denmark who plays for, for good European clubs. Um, so yeah, it's, it's very exciting right now for the, with the Danish national team and, and to see how many good players coming up right now. And what are like the, the facility? Like, I think that's where Ireland struggles a lot. As you mentioned, like the big factor is obviously money. Um, uh, Ireland doesn't like the, the facilities in Ireland, like they, they try their best, but I don't think the, the money's there to, to have the best of the best. Like what are the facilities like when you were growing up uh, in, in Alberg? At that time it was all right, but like Oldborg also have changed a lot. They built like brand new facilities with all the, with a brand new gym, you know, and like recovery stuff and all that. I mean, the game has changed also since I like became professional though. It's way faster today, you know. Um, people are like players are more physical, they're stronger, they're faster. There's just like a lot of science going into it today that we didn't have when I started, you know. There's the whole cryo chamber, the recovery boots, the ice bath and all that, you know. We didn't have that when I was young. So, of course, you just got to like follow the flow, you know, like follow the the time and, and what's new. And I think that the clubs in Denmark, like they're prepared for like changing if they see something that's, uh, that's working and that's uh, that science show, this is the way you have to do it now. Amazing. Um, so, like, I could talk to, I could talk all day about football for you, but obviously, I know you've got a retirement to get back to. So, um, <laughs> I, so, like, the, the final two questions, like, the first one is like, I know it's kind of a, a difficult question because it's only been a short time, but you know, like, looking back at your career, um, are you happy with? Like, I know you can't change anything, but are, are you happy with how everything planned out for you? Like, are you like, are you content with how your career went? Most of it, yeah, of course. I mean, when you look back at a career where you won two championships, you played the World Cup and you played Champions League, you can't complain too much about it. Uh, one of the things that when I'm looking back, I'm missing, that's playing in one of the top four leagues. Um, early in my career, you know, I had some interest. Uh, I had one offer once from uh, Sampdoria in Italy uh, that all declined. the client. Uh, so there has been like times where I felt I could go but it never really worked out, you know, and uh, yeah, that's how it is. But the, that that's the only thing I'm missing. I, I would have loved to play the season or two in Premier League. Uh, I know a few teams was following me when I was younger, uh, but never got the chance to do it. So like, yeah, I, I would definitely like have loved to play like a season or two in one of the top four leagues. I, I, I'm a Tottenham fan. And I would have liked to say that. I would have liked to see you at Tottenham, but you mentioned you like Chelsea. Oh, you're so. probably, you can probably yeah. see my goal against Tottenham. <laughs> so you I can go to an amazing goal against. <laughs> right, right, I, I scored an amazing goal against uh, Tottenham uh, in Europa League. Oh, really? I, I don't even remember. I'll have to look that up. Yeah, it's, actually, no, it's I'm not it's gonna two, look it up. <laughs> two, uh, it's in 2008. And we were absolutely destroying Tottenham at Whitehead Lane. First half, we were up 2-0. I had my goal, which was a shot from the distance in the top corner on Paul Robinson after three minutes. And then 
we came out to the second half, Tottenham switched gear and they were up 3-2 after 15 minutes in the second half and won the game. Jesus, so, that's, uh, that's, that's, yeah. like, that's, that's like being a Tottenham fan in a nutshell right there, my friend. Oh, it was. It was uh, but it it's was ne- great. It's never easy. It was, no, but it was, it was fun. My dad is a Tottenham fan as well, so he was there. So he was, I think he was happy. Tottenham won and I scored a goal, so... <laughs> I love it. I love it. And then yeah. I'll definitely have to look that up, man. And I'll I'll, uh, I'll post right. it on the Instagram just uh, just to show that I'm not a bad sport. Um, so <laughs> so the, the, my last question: um, we ask everybody just on the show. Um, you're going to play in a five-a-side tournament from the yeah. players you have played with. Who makes your team? Goalkeeper will be Casper Smigel. Uh, I played with him as a as a youth national team player, and he was a good friend at that time. And he's yeah, had a great career afterwards. Uh, won the Premier League with Leicester. Uh, been really, really good for the Danish national team. He, he, he's, so he's, he's, a, the... he's a prime example of making the most of your chances. Because, I mean, like at one stage he was at Man City and then he was at Notts County. And then he's he like, was at when... seven different clubs on loan at that time where, when I played with him, you know. And, and now so, he's like, uh... and now he's like winning FA Cups and. Uh, championship so yeah he's exactly, um, yeah. He, and he's an incredible keeper too yeah then I would have one defender I mean I don't need anyone else because it's Virgil van Dijk so uh, <laughs> he, he can take care of that himself <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus he was he was great I, I played with him in Groning when he was he just came up from the youth to our team played two seasons with him and you could see he was a great player but of course you couldn't see he would go on to be that world-class defender he's today. So uh, so that's amazing to see. He had the same size when he came over. He was a huge guy coming up from the youth team. Wow. Uh, and so good on the ball. So so that would be him. And then I need two creative players. Uh, that would be Christian Eriksen and uh, Dusan Tadic from Ajax. Uh, two amazing players who can assist for fun. Holy and uh, when, you have, when you have two players who can assist that good, I'll pick myself for the, for the top spot because <laughs> I would ba- I would bang in goals with those two next to me. That that uh, holy Jesus man, that's an, an that's incredible. A good that's a pretty good voice. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I wow, yeah, that's just blowing me away. Um, man, it's been so much fun, like uh, like talking to you. This is like I actually uh, when I was younger, I actually lived in Alberg for three months. I did an exchange program oh, between Dublin go. and Alberg. Yeah. It's an amazing city. Uh, what, what's the yeah, name? And and and, and That's the one. Yep. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but but Albert, probably since you've been Albert, it's changed a lot. I mean, the whole harbour area is just so much nicer today, and uh, just like the whole like culture scene and restaurants, top quality is popping up everywhere. So yeah. it's changed a lot the last 10, 15 years. Well, when I was there, it was uh, around the Fourth of July, and it, it, it used to be like an uh, there was a big U.S. Navy ship in there. It was like one of the greatest nights of my life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a good spot. It's, it's uh, a fun. It's a fun city. Yeah. <laughs> so, man, thank you so much. I really appreciate the uh, the time you give me. Um, good luck with retirement. Uh, hopefully, we'll see you back in the game shortly. Um, in a, obviously in a different role. And uh, yeah, man, have a great Christmas. Thank you. Same to you. You've been listening to the Down the Pub podcast, recorded in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Head to downthepub.ca to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, cheers. Cheers.